Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and you might already be able to hear I've got a little bit of a sore throat and a slightly lower tone than usual. So we'll keep this introduction a little bit shorter than usual. It's not COVID, don't worry. I've just had a cold. I don't think you can get it hourly through your headphones, through your speakers. So let's just crack on. Just know that I'm getting over the man flu. Okay, okay. Today's guest on the show is Hey Rusty, Sean Ahern, if you'd like to ruin the illusion and know his real name. From Limerick, he's recently moved to Belfast and released his debut album Anorak on September 3rd. We're currently listening to the opening song All Night Daylight. Stay tuned to the end of our interview to hear what a shame. As the press release states, on Anorak, Hey Rusty weaves earnest, thoughtful storytelling together with elements of indie folk, alt-country and chamber pop, reminiscent of either-or era Elliot Smith or the early efforts of Camera Obscura and Richard Hawley. The result is a warm salute to classic troubadour songwriting, which nevertheless remains true to the DIY principles typical of the burgeoning limerick music scene where Sean cut his teeth. The nine-track album was produced by Bleeding Heart Pigeons' Michal Keating, who has been on The Point of Everything before, if you want to search the archives, along with contributions from Brendan McInerney of Bleeding Heart Pigeons, Dan Walsh of Fixity, who has also been on The Point of Everything, David Tapley from Tandem Felix, who has also been on The Point of Everything, and Padraig O'Donoghue, a.k.a. Post Punk Podge, and the Techno Hippies. So let's get into it. I really, really like this album. This is Hey Rusty on The Point of Everything. Telling me all about Belfast. feel like I'm bleeding out today. I just want to start out by saying, you know, we've got an expert from Belfast here. Tell me, how is the city doing? <laughs> I'm absolutely not an expert in that regard. <laughs> I'm only here. I'm only in the door, so I, I can't. Uh, I can't attest to the state of the nation at this point. Uh, why did you move up to Belfast? My partner was living up here, so I just moved up. I guess I I had kind of been living at home in in Limerick, and it was just uh, after COVID and everything. I think it was just good opportunity to do something different you know so i'm starting a, a master's in in queens as well next week so that's kind of another oh class another so, part of it so in, yeah it's doing, doing what what's the master's in uh creative writing actually so yeah not, not a not a great one to bring home to the parents but yeah it should be something different um okay so if you're not an expert on belfast maybe the first impressions like what's what's the city like yeah it's um it's different, you know, I mean, I, I'll always be the ignorant free stater up here, you know, 
but uh, there's a great like obviously there's a great music scene up here. There's a great like literary scene as well, and yeah, it's you know that bit bigger than than Cork or Limerick. I've lived in Cork before as well, so bigger than Cork, bigger than Limerick, smaller than Dublin. So it's uh, it's nice in between, you know. Yeah, I'm I moved twice during lockdown between July. 2020 and February 2021 I moved uh twice so if nothing else I can understand why you were thinking you know like ah I'll, I'll move city it's it keeps things interesting a change of scenery has been nice I think over the past 18 months hasn't it even if it is Definitely. just a room a room yeah I mean what's room, one room to another you know yeah okay so if you're not an expert in Belfast tell me about Limerick are you are you, are you from there I yeah I'm from County Limerick so I'm from West Limerick originally, and I I moved to the city to I suppose when I kind of started college in, in 2015. Yeah, then I I guess I was there kind of until this year really. Bar some some time I spent in Cork as well. Around 2018 or that way, I I kind of started um, uh, getting back into. I played a bit. Of, I played music when I was kind of. In secondary school and stuff but I kind of got back into like writing songs and started trying to try to kind of learn how to sing them and uh I, at, the, at the same time I guess it was like very much the two things happened at once I started kind of getting aware of the the scene the music scene in Limerick which I suppose there's been a lot of uh hagiography about about that over the last couple of years but for me it, it was like kind of two things I started going to an open mic that that um, Marty from Anna's Anchor was running in uh, in a place called Shayla Fab. And I, at the same time, started going to some of the DOLK shows as well. And uh, got to know people from, got to know Marty. I got to know people from bands like uh, Cassavetes and Cruiser and um, Bleeding Heart Pigeons. And I suppose just kind of fell in with, with that scene. And then I suppose at the same time as that, that has kind of all been happening over the last couple of years. You've had like the rap scene has been blown up in Limerick and there's just a really interesting kind of arts movement there over the last couple of years. I was just at Fail Negrania myself over the, over the summer. I wasn't playing. I was just there as a, as a spectator, but um, it, it just feels like such a coming together of everything over the last couple of years. But when you have events like those, you know, I'm really proud of my friends and uh, what they're able to put on, you know. Failing Negrena, for those who are listening who don't know, it's kind of a community uh, DIY event uh, gigs happening all across the city. I think, yeah, you can you can be my reviewer of uh, of the event. Tell me more about it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm quite biased because, like, I was kind of involved in, for its last incarnation in 2019, and I played it in 2018. But like, it's um, the kind of DOLK collective. And a promoter called Jack Prolly, who used to run gigs under, or I suppose continue would will continue to run gigs under the name uh, Lawyer Expectations, um, and Hugh Heffernan as well, who did the kind of graphics and design for for Lawyer Expectations, and uh, I suppose they those two groups kind of came together and um, started running this festival in 2018, running again in 2019, and finally got to run. You know, a stripped down but equally as important version of the festival just last weekend, and it was it was so great. It was like such a, it was like I was kind of wasn't sure what to expect because with the, uh, I suppose restrictions and everything, they couldn't do the full whack of a festival. But um, the the atmosphere was just 
exactly as it should be from from the word go. It was uh, so great, so many great performances. I saw um, Alain Malone, Aoife Wolf, they were both great, Ema Reedy and Balakwa, and then Acid Granny just doing their thing on the streets of Limerick. So that was was great, yeah. I'll, I'll make a confession, Acid Granny, I just don't get it. Um, have you seen it in person? I saw it in uh, the keynote at quarter block party 2019 i think i might have had to leave halfway through like i, I just i wasn't feeling it at all i think it's if you were to see them uh, if if it was cork i feel like i don't know on grand parade at three o'clock in the morning or something like that 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 would make sense then you've, you've got to like, be okay. out of your mind to see them or something is it no it's just it's it's just there's a childlike sense of fucking i don't know chaos to it that is just it's just amazing. It's uh, I really, really respect what they do. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm. I, I just felt a little um out of it that uh, uh yeah. Just just not understanding why people were going crazy. There's there was people mm-hmm. like slapping their bellies and stuff. I remember from that <laughs> night. It was a, it was a weird one. I just wasn't on the same buzz as a lot of people. I don't think in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. It, I think it makes sense more out in the street. That's fair. I think they they agree that that's their, um, you know, they're where they're most comfortable. It's so nice going to see music again, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've been to a couple of gigs up here in Belfast, and and then I was at Thela and and uh, Marty from Anna's Anchor. Kind of had a going away gig then in the Milk Market in Limerick, but coming up a month ago, I guess. And uh, yeah, that that was um, it was great to get back to to seeing some some gigs you know mm. were you at any of those big ones in belfast like the five thousand classy ones or no i wasn't no i I, ju- I just had some small gigs in the american bar I, pl- I played one i played one small gig in the american bar as well uh, which is just they just have a lovely little acoustic room so it was kind of 25 30 people socially distanced so it was really nice as a musician who's moving to a different city, is like, do you already know some of the people who are in in Belfast who are into the music scene, or is it just a case of you googling up the venue, googling up, googling the venues, and just seeing like who should I email to try and play a slot? Because I'm guessing it it can be a little bit daunting as well, just the change of scenery and the fact that you know you can't just text your mates just saying like, oh yeah, you can come out and see me tonight. Uh, no, it was kind of you know I think. Um, it's one of the, the really good sides of being involved in a in a movement like what's been in Limerick over the last couple of years that like the short answer is no I knew people up here because of they had been in Limerick to play gigs and I had been up here to play as well you know so like the guys from the band we um, would be particular mates of mine like and uh, there's a few more around as well that I would would you know, either know or know of or have mutual friends with kind of thing. And uh, yeah, no, it's easy enough to fall into fall into a groove, you know, if you're, it's, that's, I suppose, the beauty of the Irish music scene, especially at that kind of underground level, is that like everyone knows everyone and uh, you, you can kind of have a finger in a couple of different pies. Like it's a small country, really, you know. You mentioned the hagiography of Limerick, which is a great word to describe it. It does seem, from an outsider's point of view anyway, to be thriving, 
Uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to say in 2020 what that will look like, you know, once everything opens up and, you know, you kind of get a look at the scenes in the various cities, you can really see the health of it. But does it actually feel like an exciting time for Limerick Music? Like you say, it's kind of hard to know now. It really did in 2018 and 2019. Like, it really felt exciting. You know, you had, you had a, I was at gigs, maybe two gigs every weekend. Constant problem was that you'd have gigs clashing with each other. It was like being at a constant festival like you know i remember there was a night that elaine malone and maya sophia played in pharmacia it was before maya's album had come out and uh hayley hendrix was playing the american indie musician was playing in the casbah and on the same at the same night and split the vote like there was nobody at either gig you know and uh and then it was like later maya's album came out and she was nominated for the choice prize and everything and it was like you know it's just yeah that that was the problem in 2018 not no gigs which has obviously been the situation for the last year and a half you know i've I've kind of talked about the scene with um me hall from bleeding heart pigeons mm-hmm. when their album came out uh last year last year wasn't it in 2020 yeah yeah so he kind of gave me a sense of it i do kind of feel like he in particular kind of took the scene he kind of saw it with new eyes maybe again when diy lk was coming to the fore and you mentioned um Anna's anchor there as well mm-hmm. Marty behind that would you kind of point it to those three or four people as well like the there's a couple of individuals who are key to the scene yeah and like they're my best friends like do you know that's the thing like the likes of Michal and um yeah Michal and Brendan like Chris from from Cruiser and uh Dermot from Cassavetes like if you look through the the, the credits and my my album like that's all it's all people from all other bands you know they're all my mates and they're all people that are huge influences on me as well so it's like a it's a funny kind of a dichotomy I don't think there's any like there's no sound or anything it's not that kind of a scene where there's like this is the sound but it's like they're just we're just like friends you know like it's uh it's um and it's just a kind of really collaborative environment like the kind of just kind of happens of its own accord like you know i was listening to a podcast it's called uh second self it's um by laura kennedy who's from limerick she was talking to blind boy on the first episode and they were talking a lot about limerick and one of the interesting things was they were saying you don't hear the limerick accent that much in media that people aren't as proud of it as they would you know they were they were saying like you could tune into GA coverage and you'd hear a Cork accent straight away and you know they'd almost ham it up or Dublin you know the South Dublin accent stuff like that but it it would be rare to hear a Limerick accent and Blind Boy was saying that you know he'd get a lot of comments um on his podcast about his own accent is that something that you could see in music as well that like it it wasn't being I don't know maybe people from Limerick weren't that proud of the place I, I don't know. It's like, it's actually kind of a funny one with music because like, I mean, I try to sing in my own accent as, as yeah, much that, as I that can. Yeah, that was one of the points that I wanted to make. Like you can hear mm-hmm. it coming through um, across the album. Yeah. And then like you have the likes of Michal, Marty, they both do it. Um, and then, but even going back to like, you know, Dolores O'Riordan, you can hear her accents very clearly. Niall Quinn from The Hitchers sings in his own accent. And um, and then obviously all the rappers do as well, you know. What I mean, and that, and the reason that those rappers, I think, have, I, I I've seen. Um, I was at a talk uh, around the time that Rusengano kind of blew up, 
at Make a Move Festival in Limerick, God, 2016, I guess. And uh, there was a guy, I think his name was Shane Curtin. He was giving a talk on the history of Irish hip hop. And he spoke about the move from fellas rapping in fake American accents to rapping in their own accent and like how important that was in hip hop. And it's kind of the same in, in, I think, Irish alternative music as a whole, really. Like, you know, even Steve Ryan from Windings as well is another example of somebody from Limerick who does it. And uh, I think it's been um, kind of a, a thing you will, when people look back on the last couple of years in Irish music in particular, I think the move away from the kind of Bono mid Atlantic drawl i think will be the the marked hot you know kind of uh i suppose aesthetic choice that people have made you know and, and i think that's kind of genre blind that ha- that's across the board you know was that something that you had from the outset or was it something that you kind of discovered after a couple of like months of doing um the hey rusty thing that you did want to sing in your own accent i think it just came from the start really like you know i would have been i think i would have found it kind of cringy to do it any other way do you know what I mean um it wouldn't have come off right you know and so tell me about about the start of it you kind of touched on it earlier I guess you're kind of um an outlier in ways and that it's kind of acoustic music as yeah. opposed to the rap scene the heavier rock scene in Limerick too was that intentional it was it wasn't it wasn't yeah I guess like yes it was and that like it's a lot, a lot of the music I listen to is like that I guess and uh yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, I have a kind of strange relationship with the kind of singer-songwriter thing because, like, some of my least favourite music in the world is is fits that tag, you know. And especially in Ireland, I feel like people think kind of, you know, Irish singer-songwriter and to get a certain image in their head, there's a there's a, a plague of Damien's and Declan's that fit that, that tag, you know. And... Uh, but it's it is kind of what I wanted to do. Like the name "Hey Rusty" comes from um, a song by Like All and the Commotions, and for me it was like I got into that band when I was a teenager, and then I saw Like All play kind of solo a couple of times in in Killarney when I was like eighteen, and then again in Limerick a couple of years later. And um, you know, it's it's kind of you know eighties pop and everything, but when he plays live with just an acoustic guitar. The command that he has of the songs and the command that he has of the like occasionally if the audience are playing ball like the, the command that he has of the room is just it's like really something else you know and i kind of that was the thing that i think i saw and thought oh i would like to be able to do that you know so yeah i guess it's like a couple of things yes trying to do something different but then it was always i, I just think it's like what suits the kind of songs that I write and want to write, you know, or has been writing for the last couple of years anyway. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not necessarily uh, stuck to it either. Like I could turn around and do something different next time, but it's definitely what what happened over the last couple of years anyway. Yeah. And and was it the fact that uh, all your mates like Marty and Michal were making mm-hmm. music as well that you were like, well, I want to do something myself? <laughs> Yeah, much, yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've been playing guitar since I was a child, or whatever. Like, but yeah, I guess it was just like I never saw a, a kind of path to like trying to write songs to playing a gig. Like, I didn't. I'd never seen how that one worked, you know, uh, until I saw those guys doing a kind of. I suppose maybe not being harpages, not so much, but because they were kind of. 
signed to a major label and stuff. And I had seen them live before I got to know them, you know, a couple of years before I got to know them and stuff. But Marty in particular, like, I mean, um, he, I, I hate to say it because he gets a, such a swell head when he hears it, but like just seeing how he did the kind of DIY thing is, is a huge inspiration, like, you know, to everyone he meets really, like, you know, um, it's, I guess, the way, what I saw from him in particular and more people as I've gone on over the last couple of years, I think there's a lot of shaping in music, a lot of, especially in the Irish music scene where you kind of pretend that you're doing a little bit better than you are at all times. But at the end of the day, everyone has a day job, you know, like bar maybe 10 people. Like does, <laughs> that's an understatement, but the vast majority of musicians in Ireland have day jobs and it's a thing that they do on the side. It's either a side gig or it's a hobby. And I guess if that's the case, then if that's if those are kind of the stakes, a DOI approach makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, a, a kind of uh, a stripped back, self-sufficient way of doing things makes a lot of sense because it's just you're kind of living in reality, like you know. And just seeing what he was doing around that time, like he he was when I got to know him, he was just about to release his second album. I mean, the hours, like the hours he was putting into it and uh, the work he was putting into it was just really um, inspiring. Like, and he had a lot of control over it, I think, is the thing as well, you know. So, yeah, I guess that's why I wanted to, that's what, what I saw. You know, I was like, oh, if I, I could do something like that, you know. And I saw, I had other friends like my friend PJ Galvin um, has a project called Scenes. He's over in New Zealand now, but yeah, he, he was kind of doing a, a much smaller version, which was he was like self-recording and self producing which is something that still evades me but was writing songs and people were getting to hear them you know and like i i'm only interested in writing songs for myself and my mates like you know that's that's what i saw was just yeah i could do this thing so people would get to hear it you know and and so was was that just it in terms of the album as well? It's been a couple of years of Hey Rusty. Were you, were you mm-hmm. always building up to it or was it you specifically kind of set yourself the goal of I want to make an album? It kind of, well, the album happened quite naturally, I guess. And it did, I wasn't like I like wrote it and then went into the studio and said, I'm going to bang out an album now because two of the songs were recorded in last January, like January 2020 and released as a double A site um, in March. And I think realistically, if COVID hadn't happened, I would have been back in the studio then, like March, April last year. But then COVID happened and I guess I wrote some new songs as well over over lockdown and stuff, two or three new songs. And recording kind of had to be put off a couple of times. But then when, when it came around to kind of March this year, I was able to get back in and kind of finish it off, you know, and it, I just, an album felt like the natural next step, you know, I, I know like there's a certain kind of model of, of artist development thingamajig that happens in, in the Irish music scene where you release one song a year for five years and then you do an EP, you know, and then maybe you would do an album the following year, but that's just, it, it sounded so dreary to me. Like I've done an EP, I've released another EP with a band called, Fonda last year, my good friend Liam O'Connor, and and uh, you know I've done I've done it like I was like I have enough songs and I think there's enough of them that will go together and it'll tell a cohesive story you know so I said yeah that's the next step for me like you know mm. 
It hangs together really well as well. It's quite warm in places. It's also quite uh, personal, I think, and <laughs> quite heavy at times too. Maybe tell me about some of the themes that you were thinking about when you were recording some some of the songs or, or the album as a whole. Did you go in with it with like one idea, one overarching idea or anything? No, I guess. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a very prolific writer, really. I write kind of as and when I need to. And that's kind of what happened over the last couple of years. So like, we'll say a song like Van Zandt is, is three years old now. Um, whereas An Hour of the Minuscule was the newest song on the album. That's less than a year old. That's from December, I think. So it's like, it kind of covers that period. It covers like kind of two years of my life. And it's like, yeah, it is quite personal. I don't particularly want to go into <laughs> loads of detail on that, but it is like about kind of just, the couple of years, the last couple of years living in Limerick and the kind of friendships and relationships and life stuff that kind of came and went in that that time. And uh, a lot of it is just observation. It's a lot of it isn't. I might be there might be a narrator and it's not necessarily me. Some of it is then very, very much so like so it's kind of some of it is based more on my, my friends' experiences and and that, things like that. And more of it is is me, but it's just, I guess, kind of a coming of age type thing, I suppose, you know, kind of uh, semi-autobiographical. And yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that much extremely uplifting and uh, and upbeat music, really. I, some, some of it, but I guess that's the kind of music that I've always written has always been a bit on the, a bit on the bummer side. So that's kind of the. The, the, one of the overarching themes of the album it's, it's not exactly a, a very happy album but i think it's honest yeah there, there's uh one line on i think it's on what a shame make art to drive away the dread is that something that you just found with like hey rusty even if you weren't doing it for an audience or weren't trying to get it out anywhere that just making the music for yourself is almost enough and it just makes i don't know lightens the weight on your shoulder mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, that's it. And uh, to be honest, I think I have stole that line from Postman Podge because he has a line, make art to, to fight the misery. And it was, uh, he released his album after I had uh, recorded that song and I went, shit, I'm after, <laughs> I'm after lifting a line from Podge. <laughs> but it's okay. It's uh, what's, what's a line between friends, you know? <laughs> have um, you broken it to him yet? <laughs> I might have stolen this. I haven't actually, you know, but he's on the album. He plays, he plays strings in the album, so um i'm sure he'll be okay with it um but yeah it is and it, it's either that's the, that's the thing and what what i think he would tell you is that is that it is that it is the case for me and any of my friends really as well music and art and all the rest of it is something you do to heal yourself you know something you do to look after yourself it's it's a uh, it's it's hard and it's like um it takes up a lot of your money and time and it's an expensive hobby to have, but it's it's yeah, it does do something very good for you. I think you know if you're if you have that kind of relationship with it, you know. Mm. And do you get the same out of the creative writing as well? Is that something that you're leaning towards more now, or it that's kind of a new thing for me? It's something I've done at a, on a much lower level as a hobby over the last couple of years. Like, um, I think it's just something that made sense to me as something to do to kind of just broaden my scope a bit, you know, uh, whether it's in, in lyrics or 
just um, in how I kind of, I suppose, what the kind of art that I do or whatever, and that like, I just feel like it'd be a good environment to, to learn a bit more, you know. I don't really have any kind of formal music training or anything, so I don't think I could go and study um, music or anything. But it is a, a way to kind of just, I suppose it's kind of, I'm doing it, I guess, from a similar headspace in that I think there's kind of, there's a lot to be said for spending a year of your life a little bit more immersed in doing something creative than just working a nine to five, uh, which is what I've been doing since I finished college. So I suppose it did, the desire to do it came from a similar place in that I was kind of like, if I spend a year at this, I don't think I'll regret it, you know. Uh, I think it would be good for me, you know, kind of for my health <laughs> or whatever, my my sanity more than uh, more than kind of um, anything else, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, fair play for fair play for uh, going for it. Hope it all works out well, and you do get um, whatever you're looking for out of it. Uh, t- before we finish up, just tell me about some of the other people who are on the album, and also explain to me. You said earlier about the the self-recording that you were still kind of struggling to figure that out what what are the difficulties with that you were facing that you kind of couldn't master and you recorded this with um Michal from Bleeding Heart Pigeons yeah didn't you? I did I did self-record two of the songs in the album two of them were, were home recorded during during lockdown I guess it's just just mixing and stuff is like a different different skill set that I think I just haven't picked up Yes, and I don't know if I will, but I did record two of the songs. But yeah, Michal produced, I suppose there was the two songs that we, I released as a double A side last year. We recorded those in the 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 shade where Bleeding Heart Pigeons recorded their album, which is their studio in West Limerick. But then the, the, the other six songs in the album we recorded in, or five, was five, five or five songs, I guess, we recorded in, in my dad's uh, dining room. So Michal came over, brought over all his gear, and we soundproofed the room, and we got stuck in. We were supposed to just record drums, and then we got Brendan from Bleeding Heart Pigeons also came over and recorded the drums for the songs uh, on, I think it was a Sunday, and I had, I think I had a couple of days off work, and I, I said, sure, look, Michal, just just um, leave your stuff here and come up, come back again tomorrow, and we'll do the rest of the album. Because uh, I had intended on recording it myself, the rest of it, the guitars and drums, the guitars and bass and, and vocals and stuff. But I said, look, we might as well do it together. And it was, I'm really glad we did because Michal was, was a great to work with, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I played most of it, but uh, there's a few features on there. Um, Dearwood from Cassavitz, who also plays in the live band, did a bass on on the song Van Zandt. We recorded that back in lock, the first lockdown for the Litany of Failures compilation that came out last year. Who else is on there? Dan Walsh played some lovely horns on the song Wobble. It was a very exciting evening the, the day he sent the, those waves back. That was uh, that was great. David Tapley from Tandem Felix plays uh, pedal steel on Jaywalking. And then Podges on strings for two of the songs. And then my friends Danny and Shirley did uh, gang, vo- gang vocals on, on Wobble as well. So nice, uh, nice gang of of um of collaborators you know yeah a solo album but uh a, a team effort as well absolutely yeah I, I don't use the word solo that often there's a reason i'm not playing under my own name like you know it's, it's a project like you know it's a it's not a band but it's not a solo thing either like you know so you're heading into college 
now is hey rusty on hold for what while that uh, takes up all of your time or do you have other plans i don't know i i don't really have any i have one or two gig ideas in the calendar but i'd like to get out and play some shows at some point i guess it's it's a funny one because there's a bit of a backlog you know there's a lot of people who've released a lot of stuff in the last year and a half and they're all very anxious to get out and play them and and uh, i'm probably in, at the end of the queue but be nice to to get out and play some shows and and um sell some tapes <laughs> most importantly um but no I, I i guess to be honest like since we recorded the album i have i found it hard to like get back into writing or and i haven't really written a song this year so i i'm but I'm, it's kind of hasn't been like writer's block or anything it's just been kind of i haven't even really had the desire to you know so I guess try and get back into writing some songs eventually and stuff and maybe look at recording again, but just it's not really on the horizon at the moment. I'll probably do it at some point, but that's kind of that's kind of the, the schedule for the next, next while anyway, you know. I've started asking acts who I've been interviewed, are they, are they proud of what they've achieved? So I'll throw the same question at you. Can you can you sit back and look at Anorak and are you happy with the way it's turned out? Is it what you had in your head? It's a funny one. Um, I'm very happy with the music. This, those nine songs, very proud of them. The actual releasing it felt very strange. I'm very proud of it. I, I've listened to it more than anyone else, you know, and I'm I'm very happy to have it to listen to and come back to and play it and the rest of it. But um, releasing it feels a bit strange. You know, I, I started my own label um, called Unique Technique Records. Hopefully going to release more stuff on that by other people over the next couple of years. But I didn't even shop it around to other labels or anything. You know, I, I, I wanted to do it DIY. I wanted to do it myself. And um, that kind of meant, meant that I had to release it in a very kind of low-key way, I guess. You know, I didn't have the kind of PR and the, the booking agents and all the rest of the things that, that some other people have. And more power to them. I, I don't criticize anyone that has those things, but I decided to do to go my own way so it meant that it kind of i think it kind of came up with very little fanfare uh but it's out there and i'm very happy that it's out there and it's there for people to listen to not exactly racking up thousands of streams on the internet or anything but i'm proud of it like you know i'm proud of the album um i think it's a good album and uh, i guess my opinion doesn't really matter though so <laughs> um yes is the short answer but Yes, with an asterisk, I think, you know. Well, I echo your views. I think it's a really good album as well. And congratulations on making it. And thanks a million for taking the time to talk about it uh, today. Absolutely. Thanks, Mignon. Thanks for asking me. I've been listening for the last couple of years, so it's strange to see your face with the voice. <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks.
Fire 